Hello brothers and sisters, it's Brother John and today we're diving deep into some end times prophecy and the timing of the rapture as well as the time of Jacob's trouble. So let's start off with the prophet Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7 that says, Alas, for that day is great so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Notice that the time of Jacob's trouble is the time that none is like it. This verse is very telling. It reveals to us the timing of Jacob's trouble by telling us that none is like it, which refers to the time that Jesus warned us about in Matthew 24, verse 21, that says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. This time of trouble is unlike any other, and Jesus tells us this time comes at the abomination of desolation in Matthew 24, when the Jews are told to flee from the housetops and not to look back, remember Lot's wife, and Daniel chapter 12 also speaks of this same time, a time of trouble, and this is the time that Michael stands up, saying there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever so notice that the time that michael stands up is the time of trouble that is the time of jacob's trouble that is unlike any other and at this same time we see the resurrection of the dead in christ and we see some are receiving their glorified bodies that are going to shine as the brightness of the firmament. And we also see that some are rising to shame and everlasting contempt. So we know for a fact that this is not the first resurrection that is referred to in Revelation. Why? Because the first resurrection in the book of Revelation is a resurrection for the righteous. And this resurrection here that Daniel is speaking of is the resurrection of both. You see the resurrection of those that are rising to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So you don't only have the righteous, but you have the wicked and the righteous that are rising during this resurrection. This is the resurrection of the wise and the foolish virgins. You see the wise that are rising and they're shining as bright as the firmament and the foolish are rising to shame and everlasting contempt. And at the first resurrection in the book of Revelation is the resurrection for the righteous alone. We do not see the resurrection of the wicked at the first resurrection in the book of Revelation. So you have both the righteous and the wicked rising at this resurrection in Daniel chapter 12, which is not to be confused with the first resurrection of the book of Revelation, where only the righteous are risen from the dead at the end of the great tribulation. So notice that this time of trouble 
that is Jacob's trouble that is unlike any other time in history is the great tribulation that Jesus says begins at the abomination of desolation. This is what starts the great tribulation, which is the time of Jacob's trouble. The time that is unlike any other time. Okay, seven-year pre-tribbers say that the entire seven years is Jacob's trouble, but this is completely unbiblical. The Bible always refers to this time of trouble, such as never was, as the great tribulation that happens midweek, as the time such as was not since the beginning, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And seven-year pre-tribbers like to say, that Jacob's trouble begins with a seven-year peace treaty where Israel's going to be at peace for the first half until the Antichrist breaks the covenant. Now if you just think about it for a second, right, with some common sense, if Israel is at peace for the first half, does that sound like Jacob is in trouble during the first half? Absolutely not. No. Jacob is not in trouble until the last three and a half years, beginning with Jerusalem being surrounded with armies. This is the time that the prophets of old refer to as the time that Israel is going to travail like a woman with child. And Israel's false messiah is going to blaspheme God in the temple of God self-proclaiming himself to be God, revealing his true colors as that man of sin, the son of perdition. And at that time, at the abomination of desolation, the Jews are told to flee from the housetops to the mountains. And this is the time that Jesus is going to return and reveal himself from heaven with all his mighty angels and he is going to have his angels gather together his bride, the church, and lift the bride up in the air to meet the bridegroom. And at this same time is when God's indignation is going to begin for those that dwell on the earth. Now, seven-year pre-tribbers like to say many unbiblical things. And they say things like the pre-wrath position is a new position. The pre-wrath position is not a new position of the church. The only thing that is new is the name. The view that Christians would see the Antichrist and be removed prior to God's wrath was without question taught by Jesus in Matthew 24. And I quote, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. This event happens in the middle of the week. And this is what Christ taught. He taught an escape at the midpoint, which is pre-wrath. And he is telling this to his followers, which were fellow Christians, our brothers and the elders of the church. Thus, Jesus is telling Christian believers that they shall see the abomination of desolation. And Paul also taught this same truth. And I quote, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, 
so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And I know all the excuses that pre-tribbers have for this verse to try to make it say the opposite of what Paul said plainly. They do this out of fear because they don't want to see the Antichrist. But being fearful and rejecting the truth of Scripture doesn't change the fact that the man of sin must be revealed first. Then Jesus comes to gather us onto himself. So it is better to know the truth than to try to hide the truth or to twist the truth. Because the truth is the truth and the truth is going to come to pass whether you like it or you don't. And this fact that the man of sin is going to be revealed first before Jesus comes is not based on just one scripture, but there are two witnesses, Jesus and Paul. Jesus tells believers, when you shall see the abomination of desolation. Paul makes mention of this same abomination when that man of sin sitteth in the temple of God, proclaiming to be God. This event happens first, then Jesus comes. The same sequence of events is mentioned in Matthew 24. First comes the abomination of desolation. Then the Jews flee from the housetops. Then comes the sign of the coming of the Son of Man. The sign that is in the sun and the moon and the stars. The sun is turned dark like sackcloth of hair. The moon is turned to blood and the stars of heaven fall to the earth. This is the sixth seal sign. The sign that starts God's wrath. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? This wrath lasts three and a half years, and it consists of the seven trumpets and the seven bowls. This event also happens in the middle of the week. And Paul also taught, and I quote, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Notice that he didn't say, delivered us from the tribulation, but from the wrath. The key word is wrath, and Revelation teaches that the wrath comes at the sixth seal, not before, like seven-year pre-tribbers like to say, which is completely unbiblical. If you believe the wrath comes before the sixth seal, you are not getting your teaching from the Bible but you are getting your teaching from corrupt men that are adding their own twisted views and false interpretations strained from the word of truth that is the holy bible and rather following the teachings of men that tell them what their itching ears want to hear paul clearly taught a pre-wrath delivery even stating and i quote for god has not appointed us to wrath okay that means were gone before the wrath, that is pre-wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Paul teaches a pre-wrath view, but pre-trippers insist that all of the seals are God's wrath, going against the Holy Scriptures and what the Bible says, and what the Word of God says. The book of Revelation does not teach that God's wrath comes before the sixth seal. They have to assume that the wrath is all of the seals without the support of the Holy Scriptures to back their theory. And at the same time, they have to reject the literal word of God that says in Revelation chapter 6 verse 17, which is the sixth seal, it says, For the great day of his wrath is come, 
and who shall be able to stand. In plain English, the scriptures tell us at the sixth seal, the great day of his wrath is come. But pre-tribbers don't like to even mention this verse. They don't want to talk about it because it proves that God's wrath comes at the sixth seal. But they'll make all kinds of excuses why it doesn't. And they don't like this verse because it's not a seven-year pre-trib verse. So instead, they corrupt the word of God by saying that God's wrath comes when Jesus opens the scroll. Without any biblical scripture to support this theory, this corruption of scripture, why don't they just accept what the Bible says about when the great day of his wrath is come instead of trying to make up their own false pre-trib doctrine? They won't. They hold on to this false pre-trib doctrine with such loyalty, even though it's completely unbiblical. And they should have their loyalty towards the word of God and the Bible and what is written and not the false interpretations of men. And so many folks accept these false teachings without any question. And what's worse is that these pastors call this seven-year pre-tribulation theory, they call this sound doctrine, rejecting the literal word of God in favor for a corrupt, unbiblical interpretation. This is the opposite of sound doctrine. It's corruption of the Bible. The Bible tells us when the wrath comes, and pre-tribbers reject it. And that's the truth. And as I mentioned earlier, Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7 refers to that great tribulation that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, and he shall be saved out of it. The phrase Jacob's trouble refers to the nation of Israel, which will experience persecution such as have never before been seen. And Jesus said this time of Jacob's trouble comes at the abomination of desolation. He said this by saying, For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And Jeremiah likens this time to the time of Jacob's trouble by saying, For that day is great so that none is like it. And you know what other day is great? That great day of his wrath that comes at the sixth seal, which is the same day that the prophet Jeremiah is referring to. The day of God's wrath, which happens during the last three and a half years. Now, seven-year pre-tribbers ignore this important truth. And I think it's because they are scared. They're scared to death of the Antichrist and they cannot accept the truth, but rather they'll accept and believe a lie. They are in deep denial. But they should not be afraid, but rather they should be trusting in God and rely on God for strength and stop being so fearful. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We must look to Christ for our strength. Because when we are weak, that is when he is strong. And we should be praying to our Father in heaven, just as the Lord Jesus Christ did the night before his crucifixion. And how brave and strong he was, knowing 
that he was going to be crucified and tortured under the Romans, yet he stood before the Roman soldiers that were looking for him that night, and he said, I am he, knowing the punishment and the pain and the suffering that was to come, he did not run away. And yet many are terrified to death that they may have to see that man of sin reveal himself. But I say to those that are afraid, trust in God who will deliver us from the wrath that is to come. And look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They did not coward away and bow down to Nebuchadnezzar, but yet they stood their ground knowing the consequences yet trusting in God fully to deliver them. But even if he didn't, they refused to bow down and worship that golden statue. Now, we should have the same mindset. To live is Christ and to die is gain. But we trust in our Lord to save us, no matter how bad things get. We know that when God's wrath comes at the sixth seal, he is going to deliver us just as it is written. Look at King David when he went up against Goliath. David trusted in God. It did not matter how big Goliath was. David was unafraid because he knew that his God is the Almighty and that his God would deliver him. And when Joshua and Caleb saw the giants in the land of Canaan, and they didn't fear them, but they knew that they were able to overcome them with God on their side. Their trust was not in their own strength, but their trust was in God to deliver them, no matter the odds. So don't be afraid that that man of sin must be revealed first. Our God is much greater than that man of sin, whom our Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. And I believe that this fear is why many reject the plain words of scripture let no man deceive you by any means for that day the day of the coming of the lord jesus christ shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition if folks trust in god to deliver them they would not fear this verse and would accept what is plainly written in scripture by the Apostle Paul. And this verse here proves that Paul never taught a seven-year pre-tribulation. As a matter of fact, Paul never mentioned a seven-year tribulation. Neither did Jesus. The seven-year tribulation is unbiblical. And the idea of this seven-year tribulation comes from a misinterpretation of Daniel chapter 9, which is a prophecy about the Messiah not the Antichrist or a seven-year tribulation or a seven-year peace treaty with the Antichrist. So when does this prophecy of the Messiah begin? The angel has the answer. He said, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. Would take us to the year 27 AD which many actually believe was the baptism and the start of Jesus Christ's ministry. Now the last week of Daniel is where everything gets misinterpreted. 
this is where people get a seven-year tribulation from and that's where they use the day for a year principle yet they do not use this same principle for the first big chunk that is the 483 years that takes us to the start of Jesus's ministry just by messing up this little part gives them a complete false interpretation of the entire week of Daniel so what is the real interpretation well it says that the Messiah shall be cut off and in the midst of the week that is the last week that is Daniel's 70th week he will cause the sacrifice and the ablation to cease and he shall confirm the covenant you see there is no indication that this is talking about the Antichrist here the only person that is mentioned is the Messiah most Christians today think that the Antichrist is going to make a covenant with the Jews yet this prophecy is talking about Messiah Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross nowhere does it mention the Antichrist but it does say that the Messiah would be cut off after 69 weeks meaning that Jesus would be sacrificed in Daniel's 70th week and it says in the middle of the week is when he's gonna put an end to the sacrifice and the offerings and it is well known that Jesus's ministry lasted three and a half years where he did preach the gospel to all of Israel starting his ministry in 27 AD which was 483 years from the time of the decree to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem that takes us to 27 AD as the start of Daniel's 70th week when Jesus was getting baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist at the beginning of his ministry again by doing the math from 457 BC to 27 AD that takes us to the start of Daniel's 70th week this would lead to a 30 AD crucifixion or sometime around that time. After these three and a half years, he was killed. As it says, Messiah shall be cut off. Then he shall cause the sacrifices to stop. What does that mean? It means that the old Mosaic sacrificial system was over and done with. And Jesus established the new covenant with his blood that was shed on the cross for all of humanity now what about the other half the last three and a half years that last half is reserved for God's wrath also known as the time of Jacob's trouble this is why you never see one mention of a future seven-year tribulation period in the entire Bible because it is all based on a false interpretation of Daniel's 70th week and this false interpretation was made popular in the 1800s from John Nelson Darby. The Apostle Paul never taught a seven-year pre-tribulation rapture, and that is a biblical fact. Paul taught a pre-wrath rapture. For example, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, And to wait from his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come that is pre-wrath you see we get delivered from the wrath to come you see God's wrath only lasts three and a half years it is not seven years 
we know this for a biblical fact based on Daniel chapter 12 verses 6 through 7 which says and one said to the man clothed in linen which was upon the waters of the river how long shall it be to the end of these wonders these wonders are the seven trumpets and the seven bowls which are God's supernatural wrath and then it says and I heard the man clothed in linen which was upon the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand onto heaven and swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for a time times and a half that means three and a half years and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people all of these things shall be finished so we have the testimony from heaven that God's supernatural wonders that will occur during the great tribulation only last three and a half years now if you still believe in a seven-year pre-tribulation then you are rejecting the testimony from heaven the testimony that was given to Daniel that it would only be for three and a half years for a time times and half a time think about it all throughout the Bible there are mentions of a time times and a half a time or 1260 days and 42 months but there is never one mention of seven years or 2520 days but 90 percent or more of Christians reject what is written in the Bible in favor for false interpretations of an unbiblical seven-year pre-tribulation rapture that is made up by man when the Bible makes not one mention of a seven-year pre-tribulation rapture and I've heard so many pre-tribbers that believe in a pre-tribulation rapture because they say that we aren't appointed to God's wrath well that just means that you're pre-wrath the problem is that 100% of pre-tribbers don't let the Bible interpret the Bible they let man interpret the Bible for them and what it comes down to is either that they don't study the Bible for themselves or they are just not accepting what the Bible literally says or they just don't understand what the Bible says so they have to rely on what man says and man lies that's the problem and this is the reason why you have to really rely on the literal Word of God and when Paul tells you plainly that, that that man of sin must be revealed first, that should tell you everything right there. That the seven-year pre-tribulation is false. And stop listening to these pre-trib pastors and believing everything that they say without any question or without verifying it with the Bible. We are supposed to be Bereans. We're supposed to be verifying what these pastors say if what they're saying is true and if it's backed by scripture and if they're teaching a seven-year pre-tribulation then it better say in the Bible that there is a seven-year pre-tribulation rapture and it does not say that at all there's no mention of a seven-year tribulation this is all based on the unbiblical interpretations of John Nelson Darby in the 1800s you will not find this seven-year pre-tribulation theory before the 1800s and that's not even the most important part the, the most important thing is that you don't find this in the Bible the Bible is the number one authority that is the Word of God that's what we rely on for truth 
and there is no truth in the seven-year pre-tribulation rapture it is unbiblical it's not in the scriptures it's not supported there and I say that it's unbiblical because the literal word of God does not support a seven-year pre-tribulation rapture they have to add all kinds of false interpretations just to make it work for example number one there is no mention of a seven-year peace treaty with Israel that starts the tribulation in the entire Bible there's not one mention of this this is a false interpretation of Daniel's 70th week number two there's no mention of a seven-year tribulation in the entire Bible this is again based on false interpretations of Daniel's 70th week number three Jesus never taught about a seven-year pre-tribulation rapture and number four Paul never taught about a seven-year pre-tribulation rapture. And what would pre-tribbers say? Oh, well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is the pre-tribulation rapture. Where does it say anything about seven years in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? It doesn't. It doesn't. They just have to assume that, that the rapture is going to be seven years prior. Number five, the entire Bible doesn't teach of a seven-year pre-tribulation rapture number six the Bible never mentions 2520 days however it does teach of 1260 days a time times and a half and 42 months all of which equal three and a half years not seven number seven is the Bible never says that we are not appointed to tribulation it says that we're not appointed to wrath and pre-tribbers don't know when the wrath comes because they don't agree with what the Bible says about when it comes. The Bible says that the wrath comes at the sixth seal. They don't like that answer. So they have to make up things and say that the wrath comes when Jesus opens the scroll, even though that's not what the Bible says. The literal word of God says that the great day of his wrath is come at the sixth seal. But pre-tribbers reject the literal word of God in favor for what their itching ears want to hear. They don't want to hear that we have to endure the first five seals, which are the beginning of sorrows. They're, they're just birth pangs. They're the prelude to the coming of the Son of Man. And guess what? These birth pangs have been going on for 2,000 years now. Famines, wars, and pestilences have been nonstop for the past 2,000 years. Study history. Okay, you'll know that these things have been going on since the beginning of time the bubonic plague there's been many many major disasters and wars that have gone on that have killed billions of people throughout the history of mankind they, but they don't like to hear about tribulation they want to hear the smooth things they want to hear that the church is gone at, in chapter 4 of the book of Revelation because the church isn't mentioned after chapter 3 while the church isn't mentioned in heaven either maybe the word church is not mentioned after chapter 3 because um, I don't know maybe the letters to the churches end at chapter 3 the fact that the church is not mentioned after chapter 3 is such a weak case it means absolutely nothing like I said the church is not mentioned in heaven either the first time we see the church in heaven is at the sixth seal and that's the great multitude from every nation language and tongue that's us the church raptured in heaven at the sixth seal and you do not see this great multitude in heaven until the sixth seal 
And then they also say the reason that they're pre-tribbers is because of Revelation chapter 3 verse 10 which says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. What temptation is going to try them that dwell on the earth? The answer is the mark of the beast, which comes when the beast is reigning on the earth for 42 months. That's three and a half years. This is not a seven-year pre-tribulation verse. What temptation would try them that dwell on the earth during the first half of the week? None. There's nothing. Zip. Zero. The mark of the beast is that temptation, and that doesn't come until the last 42 months. There could be no mark of the beast without the beast. You have to worship the beast. You're not going to be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. It's all tied together. So in conclusion, the seven-year pre-tribulation is unbiblical. The Bible does not support this doctrine. This whole seven-year pre-trib theory is based upon false interpretations of scripture, false interpretations of Daniel's 70th week, with no literal scripture to support any of their theories or claims. The rapture happens pre-wrath when Jerusalem is surrounded with armies at the abomination of desolation. This is what Jesus taught. This is what Paul taught. The same day that the Jews flee from the mountains is the same day that the Son of Man is going to be revealed. According to scripture, read Luke 17, read Matthew 24. That's all for now, brothers and sisters. I'm going to end with the gospel. That is that Christ died for us sinners. He was buried and rose again on the third day. According to the scriptures, eternal life is a free gift that comes from God and that eternal life is in Christ Jesus, the Son of God, and whoever believes on God's only begotten Son, that is Christ Jesus our Lord, will be saved. Until next time, God willing, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and Amen. Maranatha.